Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today you'll be joining three of my high school friends and me reconnecting and talking about all of us turning 60 together this year. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I'm so glad to be here with you again. So my interview today is a real treat. It's a casual conversation with old friends that I haven't connected with in quite some time. We all graduated together in 1981. And then a few decades flew by, and now we're all turning 60 this year. (laughs) How did that happen? I have no clue. Okay, but just quick, before we dive in, I wanted to give you a gift. Keeping the birthday spirit alive and all. So if you're listening to this episode in July 2023, you are invited to download a copy of my book, 50 Ways to Celebrate Your Life After 50, Get Unstuck, Avoid Regrets, and Live Your Best Life. And you can do that for free. Just head over to SusieRosenstein.com and click the book link on that page or go to SusieRosenstein.com forward slash 50 ways to celebrate forward slash. And you can get to the book page that way too. And then use the coupon 2023 book gift, 2023 book gift. That's it. And just use that when you check out and it's a free download. Of course, you can also find the link and the coupon in the show notes and you can download your book free anytime this month. July 2023. Also, one more thing, if you're listening to this episode in real time again, July 2023, you've likely heard the news that there's never been a better time to join my signature program, the Women in the Middle Academy, your roadmap to creating a more fun, meaningful, and regret-free next chapter. In honor of my upcoming 60th birthday, there are some special bonuses available when you join this month. So if you've been on the fence about joining, now's the time to take action. Head over to www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com and book your no-obligation momentum call as soon as possible. Okay, now let's dive into this episode. This week, I'm reminiscing with some high school friends who are all 60 this year in 2023. When I started thinking about all the fun ways I wanted to celebrate turning 60, I couldn't stop thinking about how much fun it would be to have a conversation like this with old friends with shared experiences. And reminisce, we did. It was so much fun to talk about our memories and, of course, to correct each other a little here and there when we didn't quite remember things accurately. (laughs) And really, uh, come to the conclusion that our experience was really great. It does take a village and then still sometimes you need a little help. Anyway, today you're going to be meeting Margie, Mary, and Raina. We all grew up in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, a suburb in the Philadelphia area. Now, Margie turned 60 earlier this year. She's been married for 39 years and has two boys and a daughter in love. I love that. Not a daughter-in-law, a daughter in love. She's been in the insurance industry for 23 years, currently holding the position of underwriting specialist. Margie moved to Lansdale in 1973 and has lived in Indina, Pennsylvania, Marietta, Georgia, Plantation, Florida, and finally settled in Hatfield, Pennsylvania in June of 2019. Mary is also 60 and a widow with a grown stepson. She grew up in Wisconsin and moved with her family to Lansdale, Pennsylvania for 9th to 11th grade, 
and back to Wisconsin for her senior year. After some adult years of living in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, she finally moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, where she has lived for 30-plus years. She worked in the mortgage industry for almost 40 years and joyfully retired at the end of 2022. Mary enjoys hanging with friends and her dog and cats, crocheting, playing piano, tending to her roses, and traveling to see family and friends. She believes strongly that retirement is the best and time just flies. Raina is also 60, and she said she's the new 40. (laughs) Along with her husband of 35 years, they've raised five successful adult children, and by successful, she means off the bank of mom and dad. They live in the country and enjoy cycling, running, hiking, swimming, and spending time with family and the beach. After a 33-year career in the pharmaceutical industry, Raina retired and started her second career. Now she's a triathlete and competes nationally and internationally, taking her to Dubai, Finland, and other cool parts of the world. When she's not training, you can find her playing the flute, in her garden, reading, or spending time with her kitties. Now, as you'll soon hear, we talked about what life was like back then, but also talked about our lives over the last few decades, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and what turning 60 means to us this year and how we celebrated. One message we all felt strongly about was definitely that aging is a gift. The bottom line is that life has so many highs and lows, and it can be incredibly challenging, especially in midlife. Turning 60 is a privilege. This episode will give you lots to think about, so please enjoy. Hey there, everyone. I'm so excited that you're joining me today on the Women in the Middle podcast for the episode I prepared to celebrate my 60th birthday. This episode is in honor of all of our 60th birthdays because you are high school friends of mine from way back. We graduated in 1981. I haven't seen you in ages, and I'm so excited you're here. So the way we're going to roll, I'm going to briefly introduce you and ask each of you to introduce yourselves, and then we'll just take it away and have a nice chat about our lives in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, and our lives now, and all the interesting things in between. So when I was thinking about what I would do um, on the podcast to honor a milestone birthday like this, I actually thought of inviting high school friends on immediately. That was my first thought. And the reason for that is because you know how everybody's kind of grouchy about Facebook? One of the things I love about Facebook is birthdays. And when it comes to our high school graduating class, we're all turning the same age together. We all turned 50 together, and now we all turned 60 together. And I just remember that being such a a positive thing, because even if you don't keep up with everybody personally and daily, it's just there's something comforting about knowing that we are all doing this together. So I thought right away, I'm going to do that. And I put out a call and you all answered and I'm delighted. So let's get started with Margie Wasserman. Margie and I have known each other since about 1973. And I had to do a fact check because I thought it was 1976. She reminded me that we met in elementary school. We also shared our synagogue youth group experience together. And that went on for years. Like that went on all throughout high school. So we, we did some, uh, traveling together, a couple of those weekend convention type things, and we had a lot of fun. So Margie, please say a little bit about yourself and welcome. Thank you. Um, uh, Margie Wasserman. I, uh, grew up in Lansdale. Well, Montgomeryville, actually. Uh, we moved there in 1973 from Philadelphia and, um, 
I went all through elementary, junior, and high school with you. And um, it was a great experience. And uh, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, I have two kids. They're 28 and 31. I have a fantastic daughter-in-law. Married to Jonathan for 39 years in November. He's a chiropractor here in town. Um, my kids don't want to live here because they're like, you lived here. He has a business. You know everyone. We're out. And uh, we have three cats. I'm an underwriter. I underwrite life and disability for under 5,000 lives. And uh, all here is good. That's great. And you live not too far from the high school. Like you're still very much in the area. Very much in the area. Absolutely. Super fun. Thank you so much for that. And next up, we've got Raina Fussner. Now, Raina, my biggest memory from Raina, and I don't know what you remember, Raina, but it was that you, well, you played flute and I played saxophone and you were always sitting right in front of me because the sax section, the way the band was set up, the sax section was kind of on the left and the flutes were in the row right in front. And I remember... Like I have a, viv- a memory of it right now. You turning around, we were talking. We talked, of course. Uh, but the saxophones and the flutes were right next together in in a concert band. Now, not all the time in marching band, but in concert band. And I have such a solid memory of that. <laughs> it's just so fun. And what a weird little memory. Okay, Raina, take it away. That's very cool memory. And I have the same memory of that. You Always the alto sax, still my favorite instrument sitting right behind me. So I'm Raina Fusner. I live about an hour um, away from North Penn, you know, where we grew up. I have very fond memories of the band and just growing up in Lansdale as a kid, swimming at White's Road Pool and um, just lots of outdoor stuff that we did when we were kids. But the band was probably like the thing that honed me in and drew me to a lot of friends. In fact, that's who I still really keep in touch with. Um, via Facebook and whatnot are my band friends. And um, I'm married for 35 years, had a 35-year career, which is right in Lansdale, right in the backyard. I just retired three years ago and have five children, adults, all adults. And um, yeah, it's been been a wonderful ride and turning 60 is awesome. I do triathlons and enjoy just being outside and being active at 60. Okay. Yes. She said triathlons. We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> I have a feeling she's the only one on the call doing triathlons. Um, also your maiden name was McKinstry for anybody listening who might not put yep. that together. So yeah, it's awesome to have you here. And I have to say, um, me sitting behind you was not as bad as who was sitting behind me because I always had trombones behind me and, yeah. you know, spit valves and the whole thing. So <laughs> I think you got a better deal there. Okay, speaking of the band, next up we have Mary Barbeau Schetzlein. Um, Mary and I know each other from band, and Mary played piano, but played cymbals in the drum line, kind of a badass thing to do. And one of the things Mary and I loved about each other is that we are the same size, and I bet we're also shrinking at the same rate. <laughs> so I talk about it all the time on the podcast. I'm only 4'10", or at least I used to be. And, you know, it was so great to have you there. Um, just another amazing short girl. So take it away. Thank you. I'm Mary Barbo Um, I think you were four and nine something. <laughs> yeah. 
And I am four, eight and a half, and I'm still four, eight and a half because I just had myself measured to make sure. So <laughs> my memory is of our short club, of which I think we were the only two members because we didn't allow anybody over five, over five feet tall to be in the short club because that didn't really count. But anyway, I, um, I'm a little different. I, I lived, I grew up in Wisconsin until I was 14. And then my family moved to Pennsylvania to Montgomeryville, Lansdale. So I unfortunately only got to go to North Penn from, and Penbrook from 14 to 17. And then I moved away my senior, right before my senior year. So we were there literally three years to the date. It was on the exact date that we moved away. Um, and then we moved back to Wisconsin and ended up going back to Westchester for my first year of college. Then I bounced back to Wisconsin and then I bounced back to Pennsylvania eventually. Kind of a long story. But anyway, I, now I am in Las Vegas where I've been since 1991. I am a widow. I was married to Chuck, who went to high school with us. He was two years older and met him in, in high school, didn't date him. But we went to high school together and reconnected on Facebook and got married. And we were married for mm, 11 years, uh, 10 years. We were married 10 years together, 11 years. And then he unfortunately passed away. But I am still in Vegas and retired as of the end of the year, 2022. I have a stepson who lives in Omaha. I have a dog and two cats and just pretty much love and life. Oh my gosh. And we're so sorry about that, Mary. I have such fond memories of Chuck and what an amazing saxophone, tenor saxophone player he was. Thank you. Really fond memories of that. Um, okay. So here we all are. Oh, I'll share how I came to Lansdale. We moved from Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. Um, and yeah, I remember grade two coming in with Mrs. Delp. And I remember Mrs. Delp is here to help. And that brought me into Knapp School, and that's where I met Margie. And my family still lives there. My sisters are spread out in, uh, you know, I have a few sisters. One lives in Rhode Island. The other three live in the area still, and my mom still lives in that house. So that red house on the corner there, she's still there. And it was uh growing up in Lansdale, you know, I didn't know any different until I ended up in a really big city. Toronto is a huge city. And growing up in a smaller town like that really was different. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But I don't remember there even being bus service back in the day other than school buses. I don't remember public buses or anything like that. But, you know, there's a little train station in the town. And uh, uh anyway, it was a lot of good times. <laughs> and that's how I ended up in Lansdale. And we were so fortunate to go to a school like North Penn High School because it was so rich in services and experiences and uh, the marching band spirit experience was, you know, really something very competitive, very successful and a lot of fun. And I, Margie, I think you were in the choir, right? I was in the choir and I was in theater and those theater people are still my friends today. One's the godmother of one of my sons. Aww. We see them all the time. That's amazing. And of course the band, uh, and drama and choir, it was all in the same section of the high school. So if you were doing any of those things, you kind of knew each other. And so we definitely knew each other. And that's, I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what it was like to grow up in Lansdale for you. 
Um, I remember riding my bike around like once I was uh, 16, I probably started riding on the streets younger than that. I think I was more in the 12, 13 category. Um, and then I got a good bike and I remember riding that bike to the mall where I worked and just riding my bike everywhere. Uh, what was Lansdale like for you, Raina? Well, speaking of the bikes, I remember I had a paper route and I started that, I think when I was 14 and that was my biggest goal. I bought this crazy bright orange bike and that was my transportation because, you know, obviously you couldn't get your license till you're 16. And um, I remember riding to the mall. So it's funny you say that the Montgomeryville mall when they, they built that and to the pool and just, I can remember riding over to Penn field because I went to Pendale, you know, to meet up with some kids over there and go to visit friends. And it was, I don't know how far, maybe 10 miles, something like that. But I tooled around. I put a lot of miles on that bike. It's a lot I mean, of fun. That was our freedom. I mean, it was much more likely to have a bike than a car. It was. Yeah. Absolutely. Anybody else have a memory of Lansdale? Margie? So I grew up right in Montgomeryville across from the mall. We could walk out our backyard, cross North Wales Road, and be in the mall parking lot. In fact, sometimes at the holidays, we just walked because you couldn't park. There was nowhere to park. And I got a job at the Burger King when it opened on the other side of that mall. So I would walk through the mall, go to work. And that, that money was my freedom. That's when I started to buy myself concert tickets. Still (laughs) doing that. And, um, you know, just things that I wanted. And it gave me the opportunity to socialize and have my own money. Um, But we walked everywhere. I remember walking from my house all the way down to the 7-Eleven at North Wales and Main Street. And, you know, it was like an adventure. Unfortunately, I was walking there to buy cigarettes, but that's a whole other story. Margie, I was walking there to buy Archie comics and Slurpees. Right. (laughs) I was a little younger, I think. That was Miller's. We would walk into Miller's next to King's and and get our penny candy. And, you know, it was just having lived in Northeast Philadelphia, which is where I was till I was 10, which was congested. And, you know, we were all packed into one school. Being on three quarters of an acre of ground in the suburbs with just the freedom, you know, you went out after dinner and the rule was you come home by dark, period. They didn't even want to know where you were. Yeah. And that was freeing. We didn't have that in the city. So it was lovely. It was a lovely way to grow up. Yeah. And Mary, what about you? You were there in high school. I was there in high school, but it's interesting hearing what you guys are saying about Lansdale, because where I come from in Wisconsin, it was Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and it was a smaller city. We were about 40,000 maybe, but it's real similar. I mean, I think that's why, to me, Lansdale felt like home. I adjusted real easily. I like the people. I like the area because it was that small city feel, even though that the area in Pennsylvania was much bigger than, you know, more metro than what I was used to, even not metro like Philly, but metro, more metro than Fond du Lac was. But it's just the same kind of thing. We ran around. We didn't check in with, you know, our parents and we'd we'd go till it was we had to be home by six o'clock for dinner and then it was be home by the time the street lights come on or the porch light comes on and nobody worried about things it was just simple and lots of kids in the neighborhood and both neighborhoods my Fond du Lac neighborhood and Lansdale neighborhood they were great great neighborhoods we used to hang around and ride our bikes and there was a baseball field we used to go play at actually in both cities and just lots of fun and safe 
that's what I remember mm-hmm. is just so much safer and just less checking in. Yeah, it did feel like that. And and uh, when I was riding to the mall, well, first of all, that's where you could meet boys. So in junior high, there wasn't much else to do other than bowling, going to the skate ranch for roller skating, going to a Y dance. And uh, the other thing, of course, was hanging out at the mall. And I remember uh, my first job there was the Swiss colony. And I had to wear this Swiss dress and stand in the hallway and say, hi, would you like Would you like to try a sample? And I did gain a few pounds at that job because those cheese and sausage uh, samples are so delicious. (laughs) But hanging at the mall used to be a mall rat. You remember that? And you'd always have friends who worked in the mall. And and, uh, again, it gave freedom. It also gave responsibility and that sense of working. And it wasn't the only mall job I had. I had another one, uh, too. But I just looked up the population of Lansdale. In 1980, it was 16,500, and now it's 19,000 and change. What's the area? Like mm-hmm. North Penn School District area, what what would that be? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. That would involve another Google search, and then I'd never be <laughs> able to find the notes again for the call. <laughs> That's just Lansdale. But yeah, like any area, that would definitely make it... Um, make it more. And it said that it's the 30th largest city in Pennsylvania. Um, And it's located in Montgomery County. And many people are familiar with Montgomery County because it always seems to pop up um, during presidential elections. Uh, It ends up being something that gets talked about. Okay. Now I have to find those notes again. There they are. All right. (laughs) So it really felt like a small town, Margie. The population of the North Penn School District in 2020 was 101,581. Ah, okay. There you go. Thank you. Um, Thank yeah, you, so it's a small-ish town. But when, you know, when we were riding our bikes around, it felt very Lansdale-ish, like going down Main Street. Do you remember what we used to do on Friday nights? Ride up and down Main Street. We cruised. where I lived. We cruised. Yep. That's what we did in Fargo. I lived right on Main Street. And the cars would just come back and forth, and I wasn't allowed to cruise. But when my mom would go bowling on Tuesday nights, I would sneak out and cruise because I knew she'd come home at a certain time on, I forget if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, so I just made sure I was back in, tucked in my bed by the time. (laughs) This is in high school, but I wasn't allowed to cruise. That was against the rules. Nino's is still there. But McDonald's is not. Mm -hmm. I was there a couple of weeks ago, and McDonald's is not there. Mary, you were going to say that. Oh, I said we used to cruise in Fond du Lac too. That was Main Street. That's Friday nights, but we were driving at the time. But when I moved back there as a senior and above, that's what we did. We rode up and down Main Street to the, there was a park that there's Fond du Lac means foot of the lake. And it was at the foot of the biggest lake in Wisconsin or yeah, the biggest lake in Wisconsin. So we used to cruise and then go around by the lighthouse and then we turn around and come back. So yes, I'm telling you, same feel. It was, it's fun. Yeah, I don't remember who had a car. You know, uh, I don't remember the details of who I was cruising with, <laughs> but I know. Well, it had to be either a, a Trans Am, a Camaro, or that they were the kids that had the cool cars. <laughs> That's right. Trans Ams and the Camaro. I rode a lot in Donna's little green Pinto. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I rode, in, I rode in Cool's Gray Duster. We had, it was a whole process. We had cruising gum. You had to have gum. And yeah, and it was the whole path. 
down Main up to um, where Nino's Pizza used to be. And you turn around and then you take that little side street down to where um, the A&P was, come back out broad, and then you do it all again. I don't remember those details, but I do remember the Jerry Lewis cinema used to be there for a dollar. You could see a movie. <laughs> it's funny what you remember. I wonder if I was in Karen's car now that we're talking about it. I don't know. I really don't remember those details. It's so funny. Um, so when you went to North Penn, can we talk about that a little bit? Because I took my kids in the parking lot recently on the last trip home and I just drove around and they could not believe the size of it. And I know it's grown, but even when we were there, it felt like an unusual high school experience. I remember there being seven, 800 kids in our graduating class. There was a planetarium. There was a high dive, a proper high dive well and an Olympic sized pool. And of course the band was massive back then. So what do you remember from high school? I I guess I have a different perspective because my kids went to North Penn. Ah, so I've, I've seen from where we were to where it was uh, one graduated in 2009, the other in 2013. So what I remember is it was enormous. It was it felt like a small college campus. And it was so amazing because uh, what high school had a planetarium, had an auditorium, a full gym. I mean, we just had any club on the planet that you could want, any extracurricular activity was open to you. And I have to tell you, that's just gotten better and better as time is going on there. A kid wants a club, they find five kids and a sponsor and they make it happen. Um, North Penn was very big on extracurriculars, best theater and music program in the state, um, including, of course, the band. And um, it was just a great place to be. I feel like we got a very good, we were a little, you know, undervalued North Penn because we weren't Upper Dublin and we weren't Wissahickon. But we got a good education there, and I made my lifelong friends there. So, yeah, it was – but getting there from Pendale, it it was mind-blowing. Yeah, so we had a guy that was grade 6, 7, and 8 back then. Uh, No, 7, 8, and 9. No, 7, 8, and 9. 7, 8, and 9. We had the pods, the pods at the high school. I can remember having, like, nightmares because when you had to get from A pod to E pod and get to the band and get to your locker in between because it was – it was quite a distance walking from, you know, pod to pod. And I, I still to this day, like where I live now, the high school classes are graduate 106. And I'll say, oh, I graduated the class of 784. And they can't believe it. They're like, mm-hmm. what? I said, it's much bigger now. Like, we had one of the smaller classes, actually, back mm. in the day. Wow. That was something. Mary, what do you remember? I, I thought and still think of North Penn is magical. It was such an amazing school. It was, the people were great. It was huge. There was so much there. There was like, you guys were talking about the clubs. Um, it, it just, I had such an amazing experience at North Penn, you know, and the music program and the band. And I was in concert band and marching band and jazz band. I was in pit band. Um, yeah, I was pretty much, that was my hangout was back, was down in that area. But I was in other stuff too. And it was just, I don't know when I moved, when I had to move back my senior year to, to Wisconsin, it was so traumatic for me. Um, and you know, my experience there ended up being great and it was wonderful people and it was good school, 
but I still, to this day, I feel bad about not graduating from North Penn because to me, it was just, that's where my heart was. My heart was so with North Penn and my friends at North Penn. So, wow. well, and the drum line where you would dye your hair blue oh. or pink or green. <laughs> the drum that's line was the drum line the was, drum line was, was the, the best, the best. Yep. Yep. For sure. Uh, I'll never forget looking over uh, at the drum line and you and uh, one time it was pouring rain. It was some, I don't even remember where we were, but it was a mud fest. The picture of us marching in like nine inches of mud made the newspaper and everything. And uh, as a saxophone wow. and as a flute, Raina, you were, both of us were out in the boondocks, right? But the drum line was on the 50 moving up and down. And I remember just looking over and seeing some faces just just express those facial expressions of how ridiculous the situation was. We're losing shoes in the mud and everything was happening. And I just saw somebody in the drum line laughing and I started to laugh and I actually wet my pants. (laughs) (laughs) I actually (laughs) peed my pants laughing because the situation was hilarious. Um, So funny. The whole scene. I wish I remembered that. Oh my gosh. Well, if you, do you have a scrapbook of it? You'll see the picture. If you see a scrapbook, I I don't even know where my scrapbook is, but I might be able to find it. It was hilarious. It looked like there was inches and inches of mud and you're trying to, you know, march in it and walk in it. Anyway, it was hilarious. I remember showing up for the very first night of band camp in August or July, whenever it was. And I really had no clue what I was getting involved in. And I had flip-flops or Dr. Scholl's, I think they were on. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know I was supposed to wear sneakers. I, I had no idea what this was all about. And I had never played a cymbal or cymbals in my life. And that's just what I had to do in marching band because I couldn't play oboe or piano. And I remember, Kathy, during the hours and hours and hours of practice, um, I would hold the cymbals for the snare. They'd use my symbols and I was the holder of them. And Kathy would come up as my arms would be falling down and she'd be shoving them back up again and they'd go down and she'd shove them back up again. And to this day, I have super strong upper body strength and muscle memory. And my mother got mad because my back was, I was, she's like, you're looking like a football player. And it's it's just something I'll never forget. Well, you're right because that's constantly fighting the force of drummers. Yeah. Well, those things were not light when you have to hold them for that many hours a day. They're not light anyway. I, uh, one of my (laughs) sons, one of my sons is a drummer and I've had to move some things around and yeah, it's heavy pieces. I've spent so much time in drum stores, (laughs) but they didn't have marching bands like we had in the States here. Um, and it, it's actually something I was very sad about because I, I think all of my kids would have probably really enjoyed it. Um, and that was really sad that that part, it's just not part of the scene here in college or, um, university. But Mary, you mentioned you went to Westchester. I went to Westchester my first year too. I don't remember you being there. I was a music major. Donna and I roomed together. Donna I was Slide in the band. Before. Okay. So here's a really weird thing about that year for me. When I went for orientation, you know how they had the steamer rack in the, the cafeteria and everybody pulled down these nice bacon and eggs and platters. I pulled down, I swear to God, they were green pancakes. 
And I was young. I mean, 18 years old. So I didn't even think to not eat what I pulled off the show. I couldn't see. I mean, you get this part, right? So I just pulled it off. So I got green pancakes and they were gross. So I ate the green pancakes and everybody else had bacon and eggs. Now I certainly wouldn't eat those. I would grab another one. But at the time I ate them and I would just never eat. Like I didn't go to the cafeteria because other than maybe for a bowl of cereal when I got really hungry and when I got my check from home, I'd go run to Burger King because I was starving. But I think I don't remember a lot from that year. Mm. And I, I think it's very strange, but I think I was malnourished that year. Oh, it's, wow. the only thing, it's the only thing I can come up with. And it's all because of the green pancakes. Wow. <laughs> well, when you mentioned Westchester, I just thought, well, I thought I would have known if you went because I was well, in the band for two years. I was in the band for one year. I played cymbals, but I was that's, only there for a year. Wow. Anyway, I, I transferred the following year, but it um that's when I went to Canada the next year. Uh, uh-huh. in, that was January 84. No, January 83 is when I arrived at University of Guelph in Ontario. Um, But yeah, overall, the whole experience at North Penn was amazing. And something happened um, this week. I was interviewing a past client and she repeated something, something I taught her in a way to look at something. And it was something that our band director, Fred, said a million times. And I have said it many times on the podcast. And I make it uh, an analogy to thinking thoughts that don't serve you. As a life coach, I talk a lot about managing your mind. And I would always say, if you're thinking a thought that doesn't serve you, it's like it's stinking up the joint. And <laughs> Fred would always say that if we weren't doing a good job, we were stinking up the joint. Like if we were marching and going off where we, where we weren't supposed to be or whatever, it was hilarious. And so I must have said it enough that I was interviewing this, this woman and she repeated it back to me. And I just was, it warmed my heart that I, that somebody else picked up on it. And it just kind of carries Fred's memory on because he's no longer with us. And he was the best. I mean, his instruction and leadership um, affected so many lives, and it certainly affected mine in a big way and left such a mark on me, the way, you know, the way I perceived that whole experience and how confident I became in my own leadership skills. So it was really, really something. Raina we were Mary, lucky. Yeah, we were yeah. lucky, right? You're, yeah. Fred was such an amazing man. And like you said, there's many things I can look back on and take away from Fred and I was at his uh, funeral services as he passed and we got the band, you know, as many people that could come and do. And that's actually what got me back into the band because I picked up my flute and I'm like, you know what? I I think I know how to play this again. Practice, played a little, you know, we've had a little tribute at his memorial service. And now I'm back in a band in the, in the Ringgold band in Reading area, which is just, it's brought so much joy back to my life. I forgot how much I loved and missed music. Mm. I, I've been in a concert band um, most of my life, a community band. But when I became an entrepreneur and I was actually working at night, I, working in the day, uh, sitting in this chair all the time, like just working, sitting, I realized that to go to band practice as an extracurricular activity, I just couldn't sit anymore. So right. I needed to do something else. So I haven't done it in a couple of years, but um, but I've been playing most of my life. So I'm not worried about it. I certainly won't be as good, but it could come back. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. 
still play. I mean, I'm just glad. I picked it up for a few years when my kids started playing, but then one by one, they, they dropped out. So um, this is, it's, it's been a very re- rewarding experience. And I started when I retired. So it's, it's been great. Oh, that's amazing. Mary, are you still playing piano? I play some. I don't play a lot, but I do have a piano and I still play. I'm rusty. I can't play like I used to play. And that's, it's like my, my brain knows what it wants to do, but it doesn't always translate to my fingers. So it gets a little frustrating. But then if I play for a while, like you said about the practice, it, I'll, I'll do something. And I'll go, Ooh, that was great. That was like, Ooh, I want to do that again. So it's, it's on my list and I do play occasionally. I have vivid memories of you playing Billy Joel. And I just was, would just sit and listen to you. And I was oh. like, Hey, I just want to be her. I just want to be able to play like you. And oh, that's it was such a cool thing. Thanks, Raina. Well, Very I don't cool. play like you, <laughs> but I still remember that. And my husband did, he bought me, I think for my 40th birthday, a baby grand. The good thing is he bought a baby grand player piano. So I can <laughs> play Billy Joel and I can just sit there and pretend, but I, I can't play. But Oh my gosh, that, that's great. You know how Margie goes to all her concerts. Billy's my big concert. I've been to see him. I lost count at 30 times. I, so, I, just, yeah. I just had my 50th Springsteen show in April. Awesome. Wow. And I'm going both nights in August in Philly. I've been into New York to see Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden several times. He's ending that residency next July, and I will get there once more. Because he plays deep cuts. He has Frampton walked on stage at a Billy Joel show when I was there. And I got to tell you, there was not a woman in the house who was not over the moon. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, that reminds me, Chuck Mangione has been my my guy, the, pers- the, the band that I've seen the most. I haven't seen lately, of course, but um, and actually, Mary, that's a memory I have of, of Chuck. Because Chuck was at the concert with a guy that I had a crush on, and I saw him at the Chuck Mangione concert. Oh, that's cool. Way back then in 19-whatever, 80, (laughs) probably 1980. I surprised him with tickets to Stevie Wonder, and we went to see Stevie Wonder in Vegas. It's been several years now, but that that was fun. Wow, yeah. So that's the other thing that happened around high school is we discovered music. Mm-hmm. We really, really discovered music and concerts. And uh, I always quiz my kids. And I realized uh, on the recent drive to Philly, I quizzed them driving down to see if they listened and they knew the answers to <laughs> the questions about my life. Because they always tell me I repeat stories. So I said, OK, let's see how much you're listening. What was my first concert? And they knew it. It was David Bowie, 1976 at the Spectrum. <laughs> Any of you there? Nope. Margie, you were at that concert? <gasps> I, I have a funny concert story, or it's kind of a, not concert story, but so ninth, ninth grade, I was in lab, science lab, and I was new, new to the area. This was Pennsylvania. And my lab partner was really, really excited. And she said, my dad's taken me to see Billy Joel tonight at the Spectrum. Do you want to go? I have a ticket. And I'm like, who? I don't know who that is. I don't want to go. 
And it wasn't like, it was weeks later when just the way you are came out. And then I went crazy, like, duh, right. I missed it. I blew it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay. You've made up for it. Yeah, it is. It's okay. <laughs> so high school was great. Those years were great. Now I want to ask you a little bit about um, what is something that you've really loved uh, that you've been able to do in your life? It doesn't have to do anything with Lansdale, just something that's been a huge passion for you or that you really uh, are excited that you got to do. Does anything come to mind? I, is this the part where I talk about my triathlon? Oh, yes. That would be <laughs> I great. mean, honestly, I didn't start doing, um, you know, I always joke with my friends who say, oh, my gosh, you're such an athlete. I'm like, I was in the marching. They're like, did you run track or did you? swim in high school. I'm like, oh, I was the marching band. So it's, it's a big joke amongst my uh, athletic friends. But um, when I turned, I guess when I was in my mid forties, um, I just needed a break with five kids and, you know, lots of craziness in the house. So I went on a couple mile run and a couple miles turned into a couple more miles. And I realized the longer I ran, the more of a break I got, you know, from going back home. So Two miles turned into three, turned in. So my first race that I ever did was a half marathon. I didn't even have any idea how how far it was, but I trained for it. I actually did well. And then when I turned 50, I started doing triathlons because a lot of my friends were getting injuries and knees and bad hips. And I thought, oh, I don't want that. So I mix it up. I swim a couple days a week. I run a couple days a week. I bike a couple days a week. And um, I had the... I was very fortunate that last year our daughter lived in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I did a race down there and they place you by age group. So if you get first in your age group, this was a, a national race and I um, qualifying race for the nationals. So I got to go to nationals and then in nationals, I place, which I got to go to worlds. So in 2022, I went to um, Abu Dhabi and Dubai and was able to compete in the, um, world championships for triathlon. So it's pretty coolest thing I've ever done other than winning in 1980. What was it? 1980. Um, the nationals for, for marching bands down in Florida, but. And we'll never forget that. That was either. Yep. That was unbelievable. Um, so you were, you 59 when you did that? Correct. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. Because watching you on Facebook, yeah, we could see how athletic you are. Certainly your body looks different than ours. (laughs) It's very clear. I was always built like a boy. I was always the pit sweep. Hey, I was five. I turned five foot in college. So I should have been in your club because I didn't. (laughs) I remember where I I finally turned five foot in college. So I had a party, my five foot party. (laughs) That's hilarious. So it's fun. So so my son's always like, ah, oh, whatever, mom. And I'm like, look, I'm not that fast. I'm just fast for an old lady. So, you know, I said, it, it all works out in the end, but it's, it's a very fun sport. And I've met a lot of friends through it and, you know, obviously maintained a, a fairly healthy lifestyle, you know, just with being into the running, swimming and biking. So this year I get to go to Finland. I made worlds again. So I'm heading to Finland in, next month. So it's, it's taking me places I never, ever would have been otherwise. So it's Okay, so cool. as a podcast listener, you can't see our faces. All The three of us who are not athletic are just kind of silent, <laughs> jaws dropped, <laughs> watching Raina talk. <laughs> nah, it's it's all good. Anybody could do it. You just, whatever, yeah, right. you know, put your mind to something. Hey, who knew you'd be the podcast queen with millions and millions of listeners? 
Right. Well, that is a bit crazy, but I would say the craziest thing I've done, I've had some amazing things happen for sure. But the thing that scared me quite a bit, but I really wanted to do it was to do a six day whitewater rafting trip in the Grand Canyon. And that it scared me. Like the videos are exhilarating, but you know, those rafts are, the rafts are vertical. Like you hit a rapid and you're up and down and it was very, very scary and amazing. And so I'm okay with doing stuff like that if I'm not in charge of keeping myself safe. Like I want guides and other people to be doing that. I got stuck on a zip line once in Costa Rica. That was not fun. I needed to be rescued. It's terrible. I'll never do that again. <laughs> How about you, Margie? I had a home birth. Wow. wow. There's the face. Benjamin Wasserman. So Jonathan went to chiropractic school after we were married. So we moved to Marietta, Georgia. I worked for chiropractor. He was in school because the goal was I was going to run his office. That never happened. Um, The whole community had home births. Chiropractors down there had home births. So I got pregnant and I was due to deliver five months before graduation. So, you know, we met with the midwife and it was an amazing experience. You know, she did all that. She had a log home in North Georgia mountains. She did all my prenatal care there. Um, and you know, it was just, I never had an ultrasound. She just listened to Ben. And um, I'll never forget her looking at me and saying, I just heard him for the first time. She said, do you know the song Tiny Dancer? That's what I think about whenever I hear a baby move for the first time. And I'll never forget that. I mean, Ben is 32 next month and next week. Um, Jonathan was very participatory in that. I went five weeks late with Ben. By the way, he's always last in line. (laughs) (laughs) Came out the way he was. And um, my mom, back in the day, you could have a flight on standby three days in advance. And every three days, she would bump the flight out three days. And she finally said, I'm coming. And I went into labor. And she was there for the delivery, too, because she got there. But because I went so late, my midwife delivered three days before me. She was due five weeks after. (laughs) So in the middle of July, we all piled into the car with the lasagna from the freezer, the blankets, everything. And we went up to my midwife's cabin in the North Georgia mountains. Okay. I don't even know what to say. And that's where Ben was delivered. Wow. And that was really um, ahead of your time. You were way ahead of your time on that one. Yeah. Or behind. By the way, Jake was born in hospital, (laughs) not because of a bad experience, but home births in Philadelphia in in the tri-state area are just not embraced the way they were in the chiropractic community. When you had a chiropractic school in town, everything was fine, but it was, there were so many lovely parts. She handed us the baby wrapped in a blanket. And she said, I'm not going to tell you the gender. I want you to know the baby first. Well, you know, me, I had to know. (laughs) Um, But John, you know, John was with the baby and, and it was, we brought him home that night. You know, everybody else stayed three days in the hospital. We had a house full of friends passing all chiropractic students, passing this baby from person to person. My mother's, Oh my God, he's going to get sick. I nursed him. My mother-in-law walked in with a case of formula. I said, no, no, no. We nurse here. We nurse babies here. She was downright offended. So it was a very different experience living in that kind of community where, 
you know, my, my prenatal care birth postnatal care was $1,500 cash end to end. Home, home birth sounds scarier to me than a triathlon. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. You know, uh, the, the good thing was we were close enough to a hospital if anything went awry. And I trusted my midwife very much to make the call to say, yep, no, we're, we're going to Kennestone to do this. You're not going to deliver here. Well, um, well I, I have to say when I, I didn't expect you to say anything like that. And I do think that's a crazy life experience. The way you described it. Um, I, I agree with Raina. For me, that would be scary, but well done. Way to, way to do something that you really want to do. That's awesome. Um, Mary, what do you have to share that's crazy? Well, like, I don't know. Like, after you guys' stories, mine's not that, doesn't sound that crazy, but I kind of looked at, like, what's something that had a really big effect on my life? Something out of the ordinary. And, for me, it goes back to my moves, moving from Wisconsin to Pennsylvania and, Pens- and Wisconsin. And then I went to college in Pennsylvania and then back to Wisconsin. So I bounced back and forth. But the thing is, that area never got out of my blood. It was in me. I mean, there's something about that area that just, it was ingrained in me. It's in my heart. It still is to this day. And I don't know why, but it was. So I had a really good job. I was assistant vice president at a savings and loan at the age of 23. I was very successful. I was in a band playing piano and I was playing piano bar and I had lots of friends. My family was great. They were there. My life was like, it was perfect. I had a great, great life, but something in me missed Pennsylvania. And in 1989, I quit my job and I left. I, my mother and I, I took my, I closed my bank account and I had traveler checks and mom and I got in the car. Donna had found me an apartment. Um, I think it was in Harleysville. So I had an apartment. Don, my moving guy, big, big, most giant moving trucks, which had a lot more than my stuff in it. Cause I didn't even, I didn't feel much of that truck, but we went to Pennsylvania and it was July 4th, actually July 3rd, but I always say it was my Independence Day. It was July 4th. And that was in 1989. And we got to the apartment, the, the fifth, I guess it was. And it was me and my mom and Don, the moving guy. And they had changed management. And there was a sign on the apartment that said new management. And there was nobody there. So now I'm in a new town with no job and no bank account, and I had nowhere to live. So me and my mom and Don, the moving guy with the big truck, drove down the road, found an apartment, went in, and it was too pricey for me. And I said, we're like, where else can we look? Well, I ended up living at Stonegate across, like, right by North Penn. I walked, we walked in there. Lady was there and I said, hi, I'm Mary. This is my mom. This is Don, my moving guy, and I need a place to live. Okay, well, do you have a job? Nope. I, but I pulled out my travel and said, checks. And I go, but here's, I have money and I'll get a job. And she felt bad for me and ended up letting me move in the next day. Don, the moving guy, was awesome. He could have put my stuff in storage and he didn't. And they had me put 
everything had to be on the interior, like inside away from the walls because they were in their painting while they were, while I was moving in. And it, for me, that was, it, it was when I learned that the only person who could make my dreams come true is me. And I did. I'm sorry I get choked up because it was just such a big, I gave up so much, but my heart wasn't full. And it was, I've learned, I learned so much from that experience. Oh my God, Mary, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm, I'm a little choked up too. And it, <laughs> it leads so beautifully into the next question, which is what does 60 mean to you? And the reason it's related is because sometimes turning 60, any kind of a milestone birthday, it really makes you think about who you are. Have you become the woman you want to be? Uh, what life experiences have been really uh, critical for your growth and development and all that kind of thing? And when you told that story, it's such a benchmark. I'm sure you reflect on it often. I do. It changed my character. It, it built my character. And made me believe in myself. And, you know, the moving back and forth made me realize I can make friends and there's good people everywhere you go. And it's, it's all good. Make your dreams come true. Yeah. That's amazing. And just make it happen. That's amazing. So when it comes to turning 60, what's on your mind? I know I'm the only one of the four of us that hasn't turned yet. I'll be turning soon. Uh, maybe you want to share a little bit about what came up for you as you were thinking about how you want to celebrate, what it means to you to be 60, anything like that. What's this year been like for you? Margie? So you hear people complain all the time about getting old, right? I don't do that. I'm a two-time cancer survivor, and I'm here. For me, and now I'm going to get choked up. For me, turning 60 was a privilege. The first cancer was mild. It was stage one. They took out my thyroid. That was the end of it. The second was stage three rectal cancer. And it was a year and a half of chemo and radiation and two surgeries and more chemo. And it, it, it was pretty confronting. Um, and we didn't know. We had a bar mitzvah in the midst of all of it. We didn't know. Boy, was I skinny. I look great. <laughs> and that's how we handled cancer in our house with humor. Mm. Um, we didn't know. We did not know that I would be here at 60. So for me, I celebrate 60. I, I, we had dinner at a restaurant owned by a top chef winner. Nick Elmy has a restaurant here in Philly. This is Luke called <laughs> Lark. There's a lot of cats um, walking around on the screen. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it's at the top of a hotel, and it's it was just divine. And I told John, don't invite the kids. They don't have the palette for it. And I walked in, and there were my kids, and they had decorated the table, and they had a crown and a sash. And it was a spectacular dinner. We left, and we went to a bar where one of my favorite local bands called AM Radio was playing and they play exactly what they sound like. It's WFIL in Philadelphia between 65 and 75. And they're just fun. And then that Sunday, John made me a party. Not a surprise because that's just not possible. Um, upstairs at Stove and Tap, a little Lansdale restaurant. 
and there was food and drink, and he actually made everyone come up with music trivia questions and uh, put me on the spot um, after two cocktails. It didn't go well, <laughs> but it was fun. And I, one of the things that I love to do is to have my friends meet my other friends. And so many of my friends have kind of cross-pollinated, and um, that was a good opportunity for that. So I'm here to celebrate 60 because – not everyone gets to get here. Exactly, Margie. I have to say, I I completely share that. I'm sure many of us do on the call, but um, I've outlived both of my parents and you knew me when my father died. And, you know, that was 1976. My mother passed when I was five in 1968. And so uh, they didn't have the privilege to age. And so I really think about that all the time. Like not dwell on it, but just reflect that aging is a privilege. And when you really think about it like that, it's life changing. It really is. So Raina, you wanted to say? Oh, sorry, I wasn't actually putting my hand up, but but <laughs> I I'll just I that's awesome, Margie. I mean, kudos to you for beating that thing called cancer. Because fortunately, like personally, obviously we've all been touched, but personally myself, I haven't. But it's 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 a hard battle, and um, my my mama is ninety five, going to be ninety six soon, and she is a, still a whippersnapper, and um, she unfortunately just got diagnosed with cancer, so it's going to be a little oh, bit of a battle for us. So, but she's she's a strong woman, strongest woman I've ever known. So we'll just go there. We had my daughters actually threw me a surprise birthday party for my sixtieth, and it was fabulous, and. I had already planned to have all my college girlfriends come to Myrtle Beach. And um, there's, I was in a sorority and there were like eight, eight of us that came down with hubbies. And the fun, the most fun thing we did was out on the patio, screaming into hairbrushes, singing <laughs> REO Speedwagon and every other 80s song. And it was to the point that people came out of their rooms and we were like, sorry if we're annoying you, but they actually came down and partied with us. So it was a really good time. And um, between the party that my daughters threw me and then the party down at Myrtle Beach, 60 was a, a great year to ring in. Mm, that's so good. <laughs> and Mary, what did you do? So for me, turning 60, if I go back even further, my mother passed away when I was 32. She was 63 years old. And my dad was 70. I was 38 when he died. So Earl and my grandparents, a lot of them don't have a history of living real long. So I, I always wanted to retire young. So I had a chance to enjoy being retired. And then in 2019, Chuck got diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, and that was, he was stage four at diagnosis. So it was, it, it was very, very traumatic, horrible, horrible journey. Um, you know, Margie, I just, you know, my heart's so with you when I hear your story, um, because it was, it was absolutely horrendous. So it was traumatic. It was, I was trying to work full time. I was traveling back and forth to Colorado and then COVID happened. And it, I mean, just, it was just a really, really god awful, horrendous time. And then he passed away after a 23 month battle. And then it was cleaning his house out and the legal stuff and, I was exhausted. I was 58 and I was broken. I 
just, I was absolutely broken and I still worked, but I started counting down to 60 at 16 months because every day was hard and a chore and I didn't want to do it. And when I finally figured out I could retire at 60, um, which was probably in November that I finally figured out, yes, I can actually do this. I was so joyful. And for the first time in many, many years, it was like I was joyful and I felt like myself again. I, I started, oh my God, it was just like this big weight was off of me. And so for me, when I turned 60 in mid-December, I happen to have a birthday that's close to Christmas, which is not real conducive to big parties and functions. And, and I'm a little bit, uh, ace, like controlling. Um, and I always want to know what's going on. So I think people know there's no way they're going to throw me a surprise party. So I just ended up doing a bunch of different dinners and celebrations and with all different friends, my family did a zoom call and they all sent me 60 something. I got 60 donuts delivered in the morning and I got 60 dub chocolate pieces. And of course my stepmom had to send me 60 depends. Um, (laughs) She's older than me, so she can kind of get away with it, but it was just, it it was sort of almost a combination for me. It was like, Yes, I was turning 60, but I was also retiring. So it was like this month long combined and it was all joyful and happy. And I'm thrilled because Chuck was 60 when he died. And then a good friend of mine, one of my dear friends died two and a half months after him of cancer. And he was also 60. So for me, it's like, I, I, I'm done. I need to enjoy my life because I don't know what's what's out there and I want to have fun and there's so much left to do. So. Oh my gosh. Exactly. I always say midlife, not for the faint of heart. (laughs) And it's a gift to be alive for sure. Yeah. Thank you all for sharing all of that. I decided that I wanted to celebrate throughout the year. So I came up with this idea called six and 60 I'd been talking about it on the podcast for quite some time now. I picked six categories of things to do or think about or appreciate or to experience uh, that were meaningful and interesting in different categories. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the podcast episode and the blog about it. But the number one thing, the prompt for it was, what do you want to do that makes you joyful so much so that you tear up? When you're thinking about it. And for me, that idea cuts through the crap. I knew exactly what I wanted to do in like one second. As soon as I was sitting right here, I just got quiet and I, I added that little bit to what brings you joy so much so that you tear up thinking about it. And for me, it was going back and redoing a trip that I took 30 years ago. And that trip was in 1992. It was to Baja, uh, California, Mexico. San Ignacio Lagoon, and it was a whale watching trip with the gray whales out in a wildlife sanctuary over four days. And I'd been thinking about it, dreaming about it, much like some of those marching band competition moments, (laughs) like that national championship. I've been thinking about it ever since. And as soon as I thought, well, what if I just go alone? Because I think the reason I hadn't gone back was because I couldn't imagine doing it without my family. 
but it's kind of one of those niche things. You can't get everybody to go be in a tiny fisherman's boat for four days, live in a tent, do the whole thing, go whale watching. It's a lot of whale watching. You're out there for probably, I don't know, six hours a day. And I just wanted to go. So I booked it by myself and I was so happy because I'd be with a group. I'd meet some other whale watching nerds. It was fine. And then I started talking about it and three other people came with me, plus including Karen from North Penn and, uh, and some of the ladies from my community came with me and it was divine. So I'm still working on some of those other things, six and 60. Um, but for my birthday, the actual birthday, there's going to be um, a dinner with a couple of friends on the night of. And then on the weekend, once my, all my kids are back in town, um, we found a really nice restaurant that's in a lighthouse on one of the smaller lakes in central, I guess it's southeast area of Ontario, not too far from here. <laughs> I don't even remember what lake it's on, but it's a really nice restaurant in a lighthouse on a lake. And so that's where I decided that I wanted to do. So that's what I'll be doing. But I, I'm with you all. Like it's a notable milestone. And I think if you can really think about what it means to you to be alive right now and to be still excited about life, pretty good. And that's the last question I have for you today. What are you excited about in your future? Go ahead. Anybody who feels like speaking first. Is it Raina? Go ahead. I'm excited about being a grandmom one day. We've got five adult kids, but nobody's married. Nobody has any. I have fur babies, but no, um, no, no grandchildren. So not, not rushing, but I'm like, just do it before I'm 90, please. <laughs> and uh, just spending time. My kids live all over the country. Unfortunately, none of my kids pick down the road. Um, they live in cool places like Aspen and LA and Florida. So I, get to visit very cool places, but I, uh, I really enjoy having all the family together and that's just more family time. That's my, that's what makes what you just said, just made me think that's exactly all I want is just having all of us together and enjoying quality time together. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And Margie, what are you excited about? So the kids are moving two miles away and my daughter-in-law is already threatening us with babysitting and we're like, bring it on. Um, <laughs> but there's no kids yet. Um, I am excited about having them so close. I am excited. I have a retirement countdown cal calendar on my phone. I have an app. Four years, eight months, it goes to seconds. Like you can just watch it spin. Wow. Um, the job I'm in, particularly in the summer, which is my favorite season, is very high pressure. Like busy season is off the rails. So there's that. Everyone's renewals are January, so we spend all summer preparing their renewals for them. Um, so I, I, I would, I don't know that I, I want to work, but I don't want to do this anymore. I just, I need to stay with it because I am the health insurance provider. Um, so that's fine. You know, that's cool. I'm excited. We will be married 40 years next year. Wow. And I just booked a Hawaiian cruise. I've never been west of Denver unless it's down in the Caribbean. So we're, we're going to stop a couple days in LA. I've never seen California. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see what's next. Awesome. That's really exciting. Thank you for sharing that. And Mary, how about you? First of all, you guys all can come to Vegas and visit me. I'd be happy to put you up. So 
for me, I don't, I love every day. Every day is like an adventure. Even if I'm just staying home, I, I crochet a lot, uh, which is something I, my grandma taught me how to do in my twenties and I didn't do it for many, many years. And I picked it up again now that I'm retired and it fills in the gaps for me, gives me a hobby that I, I, I'm kind of creative as far as I like color and, and I can't keep redecorating my house. So it allows me to, you know, pick out patterns and pick out colors and then put them together and see the end project. So there's something fulfilling in that. And eventually I'll start donating stuff because, you know, my family and friends only, you know, I can only make so much for them, but I'm not there yet. But, you know, I do that and I'm doing more traveling. There's a lot of things on my list for travel, nothing super exotic. Just, I love beaches. That's my favorite place. I'm coming back to Pennsylvania at some point, hopefully next year. So, um, I'm going to going to Maine in August, going to see my stepson in Omaha in August and friends coming out from Wisconsin. We're going to the Packers Raiders game. I'm a huge Packers fan. And I think going to California in October at some point. So a little more travel, nothing super exotic, but um, and then hanging out with my friends. I mean, just I have nothing to not be grateful for and feel blessed about every day is good even like I said even if I'm not doing anything it's it's good it's a good day oh that's that's amazing so I didn't mention it'll be uh my 29th anniversary this year and my husband and I met in a personal ad uh (laughs) crazy the old days before anything was online uh, like we wrote letters to a newspaper ad (laughs) Anyway, it'll be 29 years. And um, like like a couple of you said, it, it'll be great to have grandkids someday. It's not happening anytime soon at this end either. But what I'm really excited about is my business. And so it's funny, as an entrepreneur, I feel like I'm gearing up and a lot of my friends and family are gearing down or gearing differently, right? So I'm pretty excited. I, I've been... um incredibly creative in this phase with the podcast. And I do a lot of um, uh, mindful doodling with something called Zentangle and mixed media. And I'm, I'm creative and I love making more time for that. Um, and just building my business, connecting with midlife women. And I really feel like I'm making a difference. You know, I have good feedback and, and even from the podcast, I, I heard from a listener this week that she told me some amazing things that she'd done. And of course, as soon as she sent that email, I emailed her back immediately. And I said, how about coming on the podcast? So I just find, I love talking to people. It's one, it's a great pleasure for me. I really enjoy meeting new people and, and uh, interviewing them. It's a lot of fun and coaching is a lot of fun. And I feel very grateful that I got laid off 10 years ago. I feel very grateful because I didn't have enough nerve to pull the trigger and become an entrepreneur. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And I am really enjoying my family as they age. They're so much fun and they're so creative and talented and funny. And fortunately, we still like to do a lot of things together um, and have similar interests. So vacations together are possible and um, a lot of activities in the summer. Things are still, we're still good that way. So, so far, so good. That's what I'm excited about. So we just all have to stay healthy so we can enjoy and continue being grateful for what we have. And I have to say my dog and my parrot, huge sources of pleasure. I have Mm -hmm. to say Uh, the huge, just part of the family. 
And I know, um, Margie, especially, you know, you may even remember the St. Bernard's we had when we were kids. So if you were in, we were in the same elementary school, you probably met them at school. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do remember the St. Bernard's. You know, pets are so important. My dad used to bring uh, Mr. Jack in for show and tell. He was a well over 200 pound St. Bernard. And I get, uh, I get people commenting on Facebook that they have those memories and and now when I turned 50, 10 years ago, I was just kept thinking about the big dog experience of my childhood. And that's one of the main reasons we have a Newfoundland now, because uh, it just I wanted that for my 50th and we're enjoying him immensely. And he's a huge part of the family. So um, that's what I have for you tonight. I just uh, we're we're actually talking at night because of the time zones and everything. And I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on and reflecting, reminiscing, being a little nostalgic together, and also just, you know, marking, we're marking our 60th. It's a notable milestone, and I wanted to mark it with something special other than a little Facebook happy birthday. You know what I mean? (laughs) So any final words, anything you wanted to share, anything you forgot to say? Thank you for having us. Yes, Yes. thanks. This has been awesome. Mayor, Mayor, when you come to to the area, happy hour. I would love that. Uh, We did that that last time and it was great. We did. We had a great time. And by the way, I'm the tall member of the short club at 5-1. I had to get that out. We'll let let you in. I'm a little easier about that now than I used to be. (laughs) This is mine. I don't color it. Oh, wow. That's my claim to fame. I always say I had, I had, I had ass cancer. You have gray hair. You win. (laughs) (laughs) So no, this was fun. I really love doing it. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I enjoyed talking with all you guys. It was wonderful. Enjoy 60. Enjoy 60. Yes. Thank you. Well, well, you'll welcome me in. Uh, Really. It was the number one thing I wanted to do was to connect with, with you all. And, and, you know, we, we have a lot of shared interests and shared experiences and it was lovely. It was really lovely talking to y'all. So everybody, happy birthday this year. Enjoy 60. And I look forward to seeing you hopefully in person, but definitely on Facebook. Enjoy your celebration. Yes. Thank you so much. Happy birthday, guys. guys. Bye guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. That's it for this episode. I loved having a casual chat like that with old friends. And I think everyone really enjoyed being nostalgic and talking about the good old days. I bet you're thinking about high school now, too. It was so much fun to think back about all kinds of things. And, you know, one thing that was really kind of fun to talk about was how important bikes were for us. Was it like that for you, too? Kind of like a first taste of freedom. Actually, it was my big gift when I turned 16. I got a Schwinn. It was blue. I loved it. I was beside myself to get that bike, and I had it for years. I took it to university, and I remember selling it. I think I sold it about 20 years ago, but I had it for quite some time. Here's the other thing, though. Maybe your high school or small town experience wasn't exactly like ours, but I bet the ups and downs of midlife is something you can absolutely relate to. As you could hear from my friends, it hasn't been easy, and even with all of the hardship and difficult challenges, there's still a tremendous amount of gratitude for aging for turning 60, and for what's still to come, what is still possible. I hope that our conversation helps you consider all of your options for aging and milestone birthdays on your terms. 
Remember, your thoughts are always optional, and that is a very good thing. Okay, as you know, this podcast is all about how to love your life again after 50. It's really all about coaching you to be more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness into your life as a regular practice. This is how you put yourself on your agenda. My focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and focused on your current values and priorities so you don't have regrets. You know you're meant for more and you don't want to waste valuable time. You can absolutely create less busy, more balance, and more happiness. I can help you create the success you're looking for. That's why I created the Women in the Middle Academy with you in mind, because it's a warm, supportive, and fun coaching community of like-minded women who grow forward together so you feel great about your future. Email me your questions and let's talk about it and see if it's for you. Go ahead and book your free, no-obligation momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 313. And if you're interested in applying to be a guest on my new podcast, Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, head over to midlifeinterviews.com and apply. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you again next week.